Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, a good replacement for the Hawks. Not a lot of faith in our linebackers. And good news on the freed front. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, an intriguing player who is going to be probably a valued commodity is coming open on the free agent market in the NBA. And that would be the Washington Wizards' Kyle Kuzma. Now, he uh, had a player option available to him this year, and he turned it down. He's going to opt out, and he's going to go into free agency. Now, the number was only about $13 million. So you would expect that he's probably going to be somewhere close to a $20 million a year player. Again, that's the reality of the NBA. We could like it, not like it. If it's less than $20 million a year, that's a good deal. Now, Kuzma's coming off a year where he averages highest points per game, 21.2 points, 7.2 rebounds. He's a pretty good defensive player. So if we're looking at the idea of either a DeAndre Hunter or a John Collins exiting this team, could Kyle Kuzma be a guy that slides right in to that spot? Let's take the John Collins thing because they're, again, you know, a little bit undersized power forwards, right? Well, again, Collins is making $25 million a year this year. He's got $75 million that's owed to him. So let's even say that you pay Kyle Kuzma $20 million a year. Well, you're looking at a, you're looking at about five million a year in savings, depending on where the you know how the contract is structured or whatever like that. But let's just say he averages twenty, Collins averages twenty five. Okay, well, Tony Wrestler is going to be in the business of that, right? I mean, again, if you can save five million dollars a year on a John Collins, that's what Tony Wrestler is all about because we don't want to be in the luxury tax or anything like that. But when you look, look, it's probably at the point where the John Collins experiment has probably run its course, at least for the Atlanta Hawks. Doesn't mean Collins can't be a very good player again. He was a 20 and 10 guy a few years ago. But it does feel like that this is starting to play itself out. And if you have him exit, and we're not going to downgrade the roster, but we want a little bit more financial flexibility, why not a Kyle Kuzma? Plays a similar position, Small forward, power forward, good scorer, good rebounder, not a great three-point shooter, but probably is not going to take the you know the amount of threes that a John Collins does, or he likes to live further away from the basket. Pretty decent defender. If you look at their defensive rankings between Collins and Kuzma, they're fairly similar. They're within a couple of points of one another. It's not not a drastically big drop off as far as defensive. Uh, you know, Kuzma being a defensive liability or vice versa. So why not a Kyle Kuzma? I like the guy. I mean, you know, a few years ago 
when he was exiting the Lakers. And by the way, he does have a championship pedigree. I know it was with the Lakers and he wasn't the main guy, but still he's been part of an NBA champion. How many guys do we have running around on our roster that have been part of NBA championships? So when you factor it all in, I like the idea of a Kyle Kuzma. And here's the other part about it. If you trade Collins or Hunter, you know, you're going to swap whatever assets and this, that, and the other. But only thing you have in Kuzma is dollars because he's enough, he's going to be a free agent now. And if you offer him $20 million a year, that's a pretty good boost from the 13 he was going to get this year in his player option. I like this idea. I like the idea of bringing him in if we're going to make a move on Collins or Hunter. But I will tell you this, and I'm starting, and I'm going to be at the draft tomorrow. I'm going to be doing my radio show from the NBA draft at State Farm Arena. We're going to be talking all about it. I'm starting to wonder if they're not going to just say, okay, Coach Quinn Snyder, run it back with these guys. That if they don't look at these guys, because again, we talked about Quinn Snyder. He said he's just here to coach and this and that. Okay. How much are they going to really change up the roster when all is said and done? I think what the plan is going to be is to have Coach Quinn Snyder spend an offseason with these guys and the 21 games that he had, do some tweaks and evaluations, run this thing back with DeJounte Murray, and then if it doesn't go well by the All-Star break, then you start to abandon ship. Then you start to cut bait. And at that point, I will tell you that everybody, including Trey Young, could be on the table, especially uh, if you can't get anything done contract-wise with DeJounte Murray, then he absolutely goes at the all-star break. And he becomes a commodity that you can get a little bit of assets for, probably not what you gave up, but whatever. So I think that could be the potential plan. I'm not in favor of it. I, I don't know why you would run it back, but... They may look at it like this. Now, I don't have any inside information to tell you, but I'm very intrigued by the idea of what they're going to do. And if Collins is a contract that's not going to be easy to move because he's got $75 million owed to him, DeAndre Hunter is an inconsistent player who's got $90 million some dollars owed to him. You're not just going to be able to find suitors or you know, it could be a situation where you're getting expiring contracts back or whatever. I don't know how much interest, not so much from the player, like John Collins, DeAndre Hunter could probably generate some interest from teams. But when you look at the amount of money that is owed to them, how excited is somebody to take on those contracts? And that's going to be the hangup. But if one of those guys or both of those guys end up departing, and you still want to stay good or still want to stay relevant, Kyle Kuzma could be a very doable option. And I wouldn't mind having him at all. I wouldn't mind sliding him in to that, you know, power forward spot or what have you, you know, small forward, powered forward kind of spot. And if he plays with Capella and Okongwu and guys like that, he could benefit from that. So, again, when we're looking at players to try to figure out what's the next step, but at the same time, financial responsibility, not taking too dramatic of a step back. Kuzma could fit that bill. He can score. He's a decent enough rebounder at 6'9", decent enough defensive player that you don't fall off a cliff with 
losing a Hunter or Collins or what have you. He could slide into that spot. So, again, if one of those guys ends up leaving, this could be a perfect fit. But I'm starting to question the idea of, are we going to make real wholesale changes? The way the season ended, I was all gung-ho about wholesale changes. But when I start looking at these contracts and I start looking at the value that some of these players have, I start to get nervous. I start to wonder, okay, how much value is really there for a John Collins or a DeAndre Hunter? Well, you know, Hunter was the best defensive player coming out of college. Yeah, that's great. He hasn't shown in the NBA. How many first-team All-NBA defensive teams is DeAndre Hunter being on? How many first- or second-team All-Pro teams is, you know, or I should say first- or second-team All-NBA teams that John Collins been on the last few years? His career is regressing, not progressing, and he's not an old player. And Kuzma, by the way, is 27, 28 years old. So, again, it's not like he hadn't been in the league for a few years. But still, if you could get him for a little bit cheaper price and move away from John Collins, then everybody wins. Because I'm still not convinced that they're going to stay in the luxury day. I Again, I think if they, they're, they're 9 to $13 million in luxury tax money right now, right? If they run it back as is, they're in the luxury tax, but they're not up to here neck deep in luxury tax. And again, if it doesn't work, you run it back and it doesn't work by the all-star break, then you start to cut bait and now you get yourself below that luxury tax threshold. It's not ideal, but based upon the things that Tony Wrestler has said in the past, and this is again where we could clear all of this up, Tony Wrestler come out and say, listen, we're going in the luxury tax. We're committed to the luxury tax. We're going into it. Not, well, collaborative, communicative, and, and all that kind of mess. I want to hear those words out of them. We're going to be in the luxury tax next year. Okay, here we go. And now we make it work. But Kuzma could be a guy that keep your eyes on that radar if the Hawks start to make some moves and transition away from either a Hunter or a Collins or somebody like that. Not going to put him off the bench. Either he's going to start for a John Collins or a, a, a DeAndre Hunter, and most likely a, a, a John Collins at the end of the day, he's going to be a starter. The only other problem with Kuzma is the 64-62 games played. That's still a bugaboo for this team. And he's only averaging about, you know, 62-65 games, you know, played over the last few years. That's the one thing that does concern me is that he hasn't had a 70-game season in about four or five years. I am concerned about all of that. But as an option, maybe cheaper, maybe a little bit better, I'll take Kyle Kuzma. All right, this episode is sponsored by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And if you're a new customer, you can head to FanDuel.com today and claim your no-sweat first bet where if your first bet doesn't win, you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Look, we're neck deep into baseball season. All-star game is coming up here in about a month or so. You can bet on everything at FanDuel from how many home runs Aaron Judge is going to hit to point spreads to everything in between. FanDuel.com slash locked on. And when you go there, snag your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Sign up 
claim your no sweat first bet where you could get as much as a thousand dollars in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. Fandle's the official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So we've been going through, you know, it's list season, right? In the NFL, right now is list season. And we've been looking at all these pro football focus lists that have been coming out, right? And we're having some fun with them. Quarterbacks, running backs, this, any other. Now we move to linebacker units in the NFL. No real surprise that the San Francisco 49ers are number one um, in the NFL. Where do the Falcons rank on this list? All the way down at number 28. So here's what they say from Pro Football Focus. Atlanta's linebackers struggled across the board in 2022. Their primary primary solution was to take a chance on 2022 breakout Caden Ellis, who was excellent last season for the Saints. Uh, Ellis led all linebackers in overall grade, pressures, and sacks from week 10 through 18. Um, They also say several young players are competing for time. Michael Walker, uh, he had a 58.7 grade overall in his first year as a starter. He shows flashes in coverage, but is evidenced uh, by his uh, two interceptions and four pass breakups, but he needs to find consistency. Second round, Troy Anderson is a raw player who would have benefited from a lesser role. He particularly struggled in coverage, giving up a 94.4 completion percentage. That was the worst mark among all linebackers with at least 20 targets in coverage. He has all the tools, but he also has a ton of learning to do. Well, and part of that is obviously competition level and things like that. So here's the thing, okay? There's a lot of what ifs, and this is true for a lot of our defense. When we talk about the idea of being able to sack the quarterback, Caden Ellis, Michael Walker, Troy Anderson, there's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of what ifs with Arnold Ebicady, Lorenzo Carter, guys like that, Jeff Okuda, I mean, Mike Hughes. It's all so many what ifs. And if everybody can get to that level and everybody can take that next step, no doubt about it, we could be a really good defense. But we're counting on a lot of what ifs. We're counting on guys who have done very little in the past. Look, and I've said, and this may not be fair, but again, from a 35,000 foot view, Caleb, or sorry, uh, Caden Ellis is the offensive Caleb McGarry. He's had one good year in four. He didn't play a whole lot, didn't, you know, mostly played special teams. But again, there's a reason why you can't get on the field. If you're four years into your career and you're finally in year four getting on the field to play, there's a reason for that. And yes, I mean, he had a a monster end of year. Guess what? So did Lorenzo Carter. When we signed him, you know what? He had four, five, six sacks at the end of the year, right? It was a monster at the end of the year. Did that translate? No. Can it translate? Yes. But when we look at this linebacker core, believe it or not, a few years ago, wasn't that long ago, that linebacker was our best position on the football field. When we had Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell and Foye Aluokan, like when we had those guys, our linebackers were really top-notch. That feels like a million years ago at this point, right? Guys left for free agency. Deion Jones was traded. Feels like a thousand years ago when we had a great linebacking core. And we had guys who were the up and coming linebackers in the NFL. Now we're just kind of fledgling along. And look, I'm not saying we got to have that Mike Singletary middle linebacker staring everybody down or things like that. But your linebackers are asked to do a lot. 
in this defense. Do a lot of running around. Do a lot of coverage. You know, Troy Anderson, Michael Walker, like those guys are involved in a lot of coverages. Because again, what have I said before? This is not 1978. It's not two guys out in a pattern and maybe a tight end that floats out and that's all you got. Now you have four or five guys everywhere running all over the field. You have to have your linebackers covered. Even if you're in nickel and dime packages, you have to have your linebackers that help out in coverage. Because guys are going everywhere. Running backs going here. You got to have guys that can cover. And that's where the Falcons, you know, Michael Walker has shown flashes, but he needs that consistency. Troy Anderson is probably going to have a big learning curve. He's athletic as all get out. But the lack of competition at the college level, a lot of times that can be for, for freakish athletes. It's not a big deal. The Steve McNair's and the DeMarcus Ware's, right? They can handle that. But sometimes the level of competition that you played in college catches up to you a little bit. So, again, there doesn't seem to be a lot of faith in what our linebacking core is willing to bring. Hopefully, and again, we use that word, hopefully, that Caden Ellis can be a guy that is a difference maker on this defense. But what if he's not? What if he kind of just is a guy? Our linebacker group is not exactly, you know, what it was a few years ago. It's not exactly, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers of old. And our linebackers got, they have upside potential, but the reality of where the floor may be with some of these guys, it may be at that lower end. So I don't look at linebacker as a real strength of this team anymore. Could it be with Carter and, you know, Troy Anderson and, Guys like that, okay, maybe, maybe it can be something. But again, as the Ghostbusters said, we're ready to believe you. I'm ready to believe that this linebacking core can step itself up because we know the responsibilities, even whether, even though it's not Dean P's defense anymore, you know, again, there's a lot of responsible responsibility for linebackers in today's NFL, just in general, today's NFL. Guys have to be able to tackle and cover and, run and this and that it's not Mike Singletary standing over the, the you know nose guard and you just plow through and that's how it plays you got to be able to do lots of different things and I'm not quite sure that we have the guys that you know can do it do we have the possibility of guys hopeful wishful thinking and all yes but right now our linebacking core is probably you know toward the bottom end of some things if you look, by the way, you know, the only linebacker groups at that rate lower, the Titans, Raiders, Eagles, believe it or not, Rams, that's the only linebackers. But what are those two? What are the, what do the Eagles and the Rams have? They have outstanding defensive line play. They have outstanding guys at the front part of their line. We have pretty good defensive play on the, on the line of scrimmage right at the football with Grady Jarrett, with David Onyemata. We have pretty good guys up front there. And I'm counting on those guys to free up our linebackers to run, cover, hit, sack, do a lot of different things. If those guys can get their push going up front, then this linebacker core could find itself to be pretty good. But if not, that's a lot of very average players that are at linebacker for this team right now. We'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll watch it as it plays itself out. 
All right, as you make Hitting Hard your first listen, be sure to go in and leave, leave us a, a comment in whatever platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. We like to call them our everydayers. We thank you so much for being a part to, of our community. Let us know that you're an everydayer and leave us a comment that lets us know that. Well, good news on the Freed front is that Mark Bowman was reporting that Max Freed is starting to do bullpen sessions. Now, obviously, Dylan Lee is another guy who's been hurt and beat up and things like that. Bowman tweeted out the other day that Max Freed and Dylan Lee are now throwing normal bullpen sessions. Uh, Lee should be ready sooner because the Braves only have to build him up for a couple of innings. Freed's ETA remains after the All-Star break. How long could it come into uh, how long after could come into focus soon? Now, one of the definite things that has been missing from this rotation is the idea of having that left-handed starter. Now, I know Jared Schuster's a left-hander, Dylan Dodd's a left-hander, but those guys haven't made consistent starts all through the season. Spotty starting here, spotty start here. Maybe they get a little bit more starts as you know the uh year rolls along. But it would sure be nice to have that guy that can each of the innings, quality start after quality start, and have Max Freed back. And hopefully this is a good sign that he is on the fast track for being back. Now, look, I'm not telling you that in a month he's going to be back or whatever like that, but you get the sense that, okay, if he's going through normal bullpen sessions, the timetable will probably come into focus as to how long it's going to be. And we know he's on the 60-day IL for all of this. But still, it, again, Max Fried, I think, is the best left-hander in baseball. I'll say that. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and pretend. We'll get a hot take Tommy on here. Uh, Max Fried's the best left-hander in baseball right now. He's the best left-hander in baseball. And when you have a weapon like that and a guy who can strike guys out, eat up innings, dominant ERA, all the things that go along with Max Fried, win your ball games, you know, at times he can go deep into games if need be. All the things go along with it. And right now the Braves are searching for at least that guy to, if nothing else, solidify fourth spot. I'm not even telling you that they got to round out their whole rotation. I'm talking about if you can get one guy to stabilize things with Elder and Morton and Strider, then you've gone a long way where you don't have to have a mix-up rotation of two guys in your rotation, 40% of your rotation is just kind of all over the board. But this is really good news. And we were hoping to hear this. And it's good to see that there's some updates just as far as, okay, he's throwing normal bullpen sessions. Okay, he's building up his strength. And yeah, it would be nice to have a left-handed starter consistently in the mix of this rotation. Because there haven't been very many starts. If you look this year, there have not been very many starts by left-handed pitching. And maybe that doesn't mean something. But again, when you're talking about a lineup like the Dodgers, who are a dominant left-handed lineup, when you talk about some of the guys for the Philadelphia Phillies, right? The Bryce Harpers of the world, they're left-handed bats. You need to find your left-handed starter to neutralize some of these left-handed bats. And Max Fried would be the perfect elixir for all of that. So it's good news to hear that he's at least throwing normal bullpen sessions. He's building his strength and endurance up. And hopefully, maybe by, you know, end of July, 1st of August, by the time the trade deadline rolls around here, that Max Freed can get back into the rotation. 
and hopefully that he finds himself back in the mix of all of that. So good news for Dylan Lee, good news for Max Freed. It can't come soon enough if you ask me. We need that left-handed starter, that ace of our staff back in the rotation and hopefully getting consistent start after consistent start. Maybe, and I'm just joking when I say it, maybe the division will be over by then because the way the Braves are playing right now, the Phillies and the Mutts aren't going to overtake the, the Braves. There's no chance on this earth. And by the way, the Marlins aren't going to overtake anybody. They, they couldn't take out a ham sandwich out of a drive-thru. So I'm not counting on them. This division lead, I'm not going to say it's over, but it may be over before it even starts, you know, when we get to the past the all-star break and past the halfway point. But good news on the freed front. Let's hope that by end of July, maybe 1st of August, he can be back in the rotation and help us down the stretch and win ball games and get this thing on track. Because right now the Braves look like the favorites to win the World Series. And I mean that over everybody, even Tampa Bay, Texas, they look like the favorites to win the World Series with the depth of that lineup. And if they get their starting pitching back, it's all good news on Braves front. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. So let us know that you're an everyday, as we like to call them. You're listening in five days a week. We thank you so much for being a part of our community. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Also, to check us out on the SiriusXM app. And then also follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow, hitting hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.